Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon. They'll bend your ears with reckless self abandon The Amazing Spider Talk The Amazing Spider Talk Come swing through the air Sit back and prepare For the Amazing Spider Talk Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk my name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog, editor at Superior Spider Talk, and songwriter extraordinaire for Flash guest host segments. Who could forget la- last week's <laughs> special song? Oh, give me a word with a couple of nerds who sit there and talk Dan, I, I think there's a future in me in this. I don't know. What do you think? No. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for the 13th episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Dan. For this episode, we will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, Number 13, by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Comancoli, responding to your comments and emails and discussing all the spider news that's fit to print. Yes, but more importantly, we're joined by a special guest all the way from our sister podcast, and we can actually ask him today whether they like being called that, The Ultimate Spin. It's Brian Jacob. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. There's been an incursion of the (laughs) ultimate spin universe and superior amazing spider talk. Does this mean like we have to get like two Reed Richards in to solve the problem? Uh, Does this mean that his show is going to be no more after this and he's just going to be a permanent fixture in our show as if he's been here all along? (laughs) Eight months later, of course. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, or, or perhaps there will be some kind of event, and there will be battle worlds of all of our shows. No, no, we don't Ooh. talk about that. At least not, <laughs> at least not from the ultimate spin side. So. Who's going to be remarried from this from this crew? <laughs> well, guys, I've been traveling around the country, so uh, you know this week's review is a little later than usual. But uh, I can't wait to talk about this book with our resident. Miles Morales expert, so let's not delay any longer and let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 13. Dan, issue 13, lucky 13, uh, yeah, 
this comic. So I'm trying, I'm trying to spice it up here. Brian's like, what, what is this? Uh, so I, you know, I, Dan, I, 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 I usually try to be more eloquent and constructive with criticism, but you know, for whatever reason, just the whole tone of this book, this arc, it's just kind of uh, uh, right now. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? It's I, I you know, I, I like, I don't think this is terrible, but I don't know. Like, what's going on here, Dan? Why am I feeling so? Why am I feeling the mess? Well, I'm right there with you, Mark. But um, not to throw the spotlight on on you, Brian. But I'm going to do exactly that and throw the spotlight on you as our guest. Talk to us about your, uh, I guess, not only just your feelings about this book, but have you been keeping up with Amazing Spider-Man, or have we just kind of thrown you into the thick of it? What, what's going on with you and your relationship to the Amazing Spider-Man book? A bit of both. Um, I I came back to comics after a long hiatus when uh, Marvel Now kicked off and Superior Spider-Man was happening, and I was like, what in the world is this? And I was so into it because it was so fresh and new and exciting and I was hooked on that run and then it reset for the movie and we had that next volume of Amazing Spider-Man which just kind of fell on its face for me. It's like, ah, all right. So I hung in there for a little bit and then they were going to do the whole, you know, Secret Wars transition everything. I'm like, let me check back in with this later. And then when they announced this volume four, this new concept of, you know, international like globe-trotting Spider-Man, you know, with James Bond gadgets and everything that sounded really kind of cool and interesting and really out of left field. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I loved it. I love those first few issues. And then it, it started to run out of steam for me. And I was trying to put my finger as to why, and I'm looking at it. It's such a bright over the top, like just, it's just spectacle. It's such a fun comic book, right? And I love that there are all types of comics for all types of audiences. And I'm, I'm reading this and just like st- crazy stuff is happening. Spider-Man's like in outer space with Nick Fury and like crashing into Paris. Like, and it's, it, it's just, it's bubblegum and it's like sugary. It's like soda. And me, sometimes I just like a cup of coffee. And, you know, as opposed to the spectacle, I, I like the more like character driven moments, which is why I'm into the Miles Morales book and Spider-Gwen as well. And there was not a lot about Peter that was recognizable. And there hasn't been for me for a long time. So, yeah, I kind of I kind of drifted away. And then when I saw Miles was going to be in this, like, all right, let me let me check in and see what's up. And I got here with the uh, issue 13 and ooh, good, good gravy. <laughs> <laughs> goodness me so this is this is what's been going on are, are you saying you also prefer a cup of gravy to your cup of coffee sometimes or <laughs> with a side of gravy on. please yeah that's maybe. that's a that's a dad joke i'm sorry um from one yeah. dad to another you're allowed it's yeah <laughs> so so yeah, Dan. I mean, I think I think Brian pretty much sums up. <laughs> I think I think we're powering through because you know. Well, it's let me kinda... let me ask you guys because yes. I mean we're all we're all Spider-Man fans, and obviously the people listening to this are. And there are these. I think it's safe to say there are core qualities in the character, right? That we're all drawn to. So, looking at this current run, like what, do, like what's the main hook? Like why why are you guys? You say you're powering through, but is there are there elements in there like that keep you interested? Whether maybe it's not character stuff, maybe it's kind of the more crazy soap opera stuff, or I don't know, like. What's keeping you going? 
Well, for me, it's just issue by issue. I mean, there's no, <laughs> okay. there's no real consistency to why I'm hanging around, and each issue I try to find something, and I think that's why my reviews of this title have been, you know, they've been okay to good, like uh, trying to stay positive, and because I look for that light in each issue, and in this issue, like. Uh, my positives are like how Regent was handled and the fact that the supporting cast even exists at all and are doing things. And and Mark and I have joked about there being like a curve on our reviews recently because we've just kind of genuinely accepted that this book is not for us, I guess. Um, I, I don't know, Mark. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think from a larger big picture standpoint, I mean, part of – Part of what keeps me, at least my interest, a little peaked. I mean, because the, the the story, the story arc itself, the narrative of Parker Industries. I I, I mean, like as Dan said, the the, it, the book. This isn't for me. This is not really a, a, something that I'm um, enjoying reading per se. But um, you know, I think when when history looks back on Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man. It, it, I mean, it's going to be a very divisive, but it's also going to, there's, there's a, his, there's going to be a historic quality to it for better for, and for worse. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I know that we kind of joke all the time about, you know, stop asking us, when do we think Dan Slott's going to be off the book and who's going to take his place? But, you know, the, I, I am kind of tuning in with kind of under the guys that, I feel like we are kind of accelerating to some kind of conclusion sometime soonish. I mean, as soon months, years, I don't know, but I'm just saying like, I feel like we're, 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 we're getting to stuff, uh, in the, in this arc and then following arcs that, you know, are kind of tying up ends that slot introduced going all the way back to like brand new day. So I kind of want to see where this all is going to end up. So when we, you know, talk about this run, you know, you kind of have the perspective of kind of having really lived through all of the ebbs and flows and ups and downs of it. Does that make sense? Is that too, might be too idealistic here. When we started this show, our show was called superior spider talk. And, you know, we started this show on, on under, in a place where we were very much celebrating the work of Dan Slott. And I, I think it's it's hard to kind of go from a place of like absolutely like th- thrilled jubilation on a book to like really kind of – I mean I'll outright say it. Like I just don't care for this writing in like most ways. And it's hard to kind of go from like such a hard swing in one direction to in the other. But I always keep an eye – you know, on history here and like, yeah, maybe I don't need to be the comment, the guy commenting on it, but like, I, I enjoy this element to a certain like extent of, of keeping on these books because they are roller coaster rides and the history in the history of amazing Spider-Man, like, you know, this will be another blip or whatever in, in the history of the title. And, and I enjoy having been there for it. Because that's what makes Mark and I, at least I think, our collections complete. That we've hung around for every moment of Spider-Man. 
I would say so. <laughs> so let's, let's let's talk about this comic, though. I mean, if that's if that's I mean, it seems like we're avoiding talking about the comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote a review of this on the site, and I think I was fairly more positive then than I am now. But um, you know, I guess I guess my my initial like takeaway from this comic was: Can I just repeat my review from the previous issue for this one? Because it seems like such the same story with a couple of changed characters in it. Did you guys feel similarly? Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I think we're more or less just repeating a lot of the same beats um, from from the previous issue, especially re- regarding Spider Man and, and Iron Man. Um, you know, the added element of Miles. Um, we, I think we get more of a look at region here. And, and, you know, it's funny that you kind of mentioned that you were at least okay ish with the handling of Regent because, um, you know, for me, that's kind of my, my most significant issue with, with the comic is that I, I, I like this, this whole, thing that's being put forward with this character just like i i feel like there are just vital details missing in the build-up of this character and what we're getting presented here just doesn't it's very incongruous to me i mean it's like you know from what we know about this character from renew your vows it's it's not consistent and but then there are things that are consistent with that uh, you know in terms of this kind of evil side to him and then like like i feel like this character was operating in shadows and now all of a sudden everybody knows him and he's this popular hero. Like, like w- w- there are details missing, right? I mean, I feel like there are pages missing from a book that explain where we're at with region. Yeah. My, my confusion is that like in issues prior, Harry Osborne or Harry Lyman, sorry, as is corrected in every comic, he expresses that he doesn't know, like, he doesn't, like, see Regent and express that he knows this person. But suddenly in this issue, everyone seems to know who he is, and yet they still haven't figured out his identity, which seems plain as day. And it's kind of joked about as being plain as day. Yeah, you're right, Mark. They're, they're, these, these two, either people know him or they don't know him. Uh, they, they don't really quite line up with each other. And and I just don't even know what this character is supposed. I mean, like, it's like he's a villain because we know he's the villain from Renew Your Vows. But but you know, not not until the moment where they kidnap Miles in this issue does he necessarily do anything that seems villainous. You know what I mean? Like, so what? I, I don't know. Like, I I I I just feel like. You know, the, the the whole introduction and handling of this character is very presumptuous uh, by by Dan Slott and Marvel that we really have any reason to, to care about this character. Because, uh, you know, I really didn't care about him in Renew Your Vows, and I care less about him now because, it, like I said, there are just details lacking. I think it's interesting when you talk about Paige's missing. Uh, for me, I almost felt like some of his dialogue, especially in that opening scene, the whole battle with or it wasn't much of a battle with orca but when he took him out the, all the dialogue at the end it just seemed very like tedious it was almost shorthand he might as well just say like i am really a bad guy and so it's just like it just felt like I, I i wasn't i'm not invested in this at all like there was no i don't and i'm trying to figure out why like you said it was just kind of blah or like it's missing something to me it just feels like 
all right, we got to cycle through the motions here. Like, all right, they're going to figure out who he is and he's really got some secret plan. And can we just skip to the end? Well, I, I kind of like that dialogue, especially the bit where he says, I'll protect you all, whatever it takes. And, and I guess what we learned from him about his history in the previous issue. Um, and I, What I like about it is it, it seems kind of like a, a hard line equivalent to Spider-Man's no one dies uh, thing. And, you know, I guess in, in the hands of a different writer, and I hate to say it like that, but in the hands of a different writer, I, I would I would be curious if we were going to get a story about how, like, making broad proclamations or establishing mantras for yourself can be an inherently flawed uh, concept. I mean, even Spider-Man's, you know, with great power must come great responsibility. Like, we have all these characters that kind of put together these mission statements and how impossible that can be and how, um, like, sticking slavishly to a, a code like that could you turn you could turn you into a villain, and I think that's an interesting idea. Do I think that's going to be carried out? Not really, but I do think there's a kernel of something interesting going on there. Yeah, but didn't we essentially get that theme with Superior Spider-Man, Dan? I mean, it's like, I mean, you know, this this idea of, like, whatever it takes and, you know, that, that, that gray line between hero, heroism and villainy and, you know, what, what are... The, you know the choices we might we make and how that distinguishes, and I felt like that was something that was communicated or executed with some style and grace from the, this creator um, a couple of years ago, and and now it just seems sloppy and slapdash and you know lazy, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, you know, I just pointing out thematics that seem somewhat interesting to me, like that one stood out. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, not not to, you know, keep hitting a, a nail on the, on the head or whatever, but like repetition of ideas is not really something new to this comic. <laughs> uh, uh, we seem to be circling all, the same ideas over and over again, you know, uh, even if it's just like an Iron Man fight. But, but yeah, um, one of the other things I wanted to point out is that, you know, Regent is fighting Orca here, and um, I actually tweeted to Dan Slott because Orca in Marvel continuity is dead. If this is any kind of award to be uh, to be accepted, I, Dan issued me a no prize for suggesting that Orca was able to win his soul back in a gambling event during Dark Reign because he appeared in the background of hell in one of those issues uh, gambling to, to get his soul. So... I think Dan did not <laughs> did not realize that he had made an error, but was happy to be corrected by uh, one as dorky in continuity as myself. Wow, nice save with the deep cut there. I like it. Well, I mean, not not, not to kind of jump around a bit, but of course, like you know, the other the other big thing about this comic specifically, and of course, it's the reason why we we wanted to have Brian on to talk about this was was the appearance of Miles and and. Um, you know, let me kind of preface this by saying I, I, I've not been all that enamored with, um, Dan Slott's presentation of Miles and, and past events. I mean, really it's just Spider-Verse, I guess, is the one that I can think of that he had an opportunity to write him. Um, I just, again, feel like there's just something missing from the character. And then again, like, it seems like Brian Michael Bendis really has kind of got a monopoly on writing the character and writing him well. And I, I, I don't know if there are many other writers you know, maybe Brian, you can shine some light on this that kind of get the character the way Bendis does. But um, 
what I mean, you know, when you saw Miles in this, what 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 did you think? How what was your what was what was your take on what the character was about here, Brian? Well, it's funny you mentioned Spider-Verse because when that event kicked off, we thought we'd follow along with the ultimate spin. We you know, we thought he'd be a reasonably big part of it. And as you guys know, he ended up pretty much being a sight gag, more or less, which was mm. kind of a letdown. Um, he had like that one initial moment that referred to parts of his history with his mom and all of that. But yeah, it just seemed like he was a prop. And I mean, Spider-Verse, we could, that's a whole other discussion. But um, yeah, seeing him here, I don't quite have a handle on what their dynamic is supposed to be. Like how even, how Miles even fits in this new universe isn't fully explained in his own book. Um, everyone's working on that eight months later uh, thing. So Peter, as you, as I'm sure you guys know, um, showed up in the, in the first two issues of the current run of Spider-Man, the Miles title. And there was a little bit, there was a hint that, you know, what their relationship was like, you know, maybe not quite, it didn't seem quite like mentor student, but, you know, just Peter was like kind of conveying or he was, there was a moment in that uh, book where Peter's telling uh, the cops, like, you have to treat this person as Spider-Man. You know, he's got my okay. He's got my blessing. You know, we're good. So now all of this, all of a sudden we're switching gears and they, there's this ridiculous notion of a big brother batting cage play date, which I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Like in costume, like I didn't even quite understand what was happening. And then, <laughs> and I'm looking at like Miles's shooting web, things in a cage and it, it didn't make sense. So it's like, Oh, here we go again. This is just going to be like a visual thing. Like just the, the cool visual of seeing the two Spider-Men together, um, not necessarily doing anything, but just kind of hanging out. So yeah, it's, it was kind of a, a letdown in that way because the other book is so rich in terms of developing the characterization that the kind of stuff that I'm drawn to and was hoping to find here. And I realized right away, no, that's not going to happen. And that's not a bad thing. I don't mean to say like, I, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, the lighthearted fun and silliness. Um, cause comics, that's what comics are about. Um, but yeah, I seeing his entrance and actually I should say where the scene goes from there. I mean, can we talk about <laughs> what, as you're saying, like repeating this whole beat of Peter versus Tony? Well, well, yeah, that seems to be kind of like the crux of this issue is this like, brawl between Peter versus Tony over I mean I couldn't even tell you necessarily what it's over uh I mean it seems to me like Peter is being absolutely petulant um but you know I I mean honestly talking about Miles in this book I thought Miles manages to get out of this book looking the best of anyone he was the best I mean because I'm watching this fight it's so ridiculous and like you say like what is what is going on? Because like, you know, like page or two before this whole scene starts, Peter is swinging on his way over there and he's doing that monologue of like, oh, when I'm up here, everything makes sense and I'm focused and yeah, you know, I totally get what life's about. As soon as he sees Tony, that's all out the window. It's like, you son of a, you know, and then they start going at it with no regard for the civilians hanging around. And it's Miles, as you say, who like kind of takes charge. And there's that panel. I love that panel. And I tweeted it out as my reaction to this book. It was perfect. Miles just doing the facepalm thing. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And that was my reaction. Like, I can't believe I'm reading this. What is going on? Well, that's the most baffling thing to me about this whole issue is that it seems as if, like, I mean, first of all, like, this book gives me no reason to like Peter Parker as a person. Like, it makes me want to not read this comic anymore because he seems like such a jerk. 
and the writer Dan Slott has all these characters commenting on it as if he's aware that he's doing this, like that Peter is a jerk. But I I just don't know how that's supposed to make me like want to read this book or make me come back for more or like, you know, I, I have no idea where this characterization is coming from. Um, and if it was a consistent thing, I think I could buy it. But it it just seems like so uh, like a roller coaster. One second he's, you know, being introspective about, you know, uh, his role at Parker Industries. And the next he's just flying off the handle and endangering kids and their puppies. Well, just to, not to not to kind of go reach into the wayback machine here, but like I mean, you know, you go back to Dick Go and Lee, and 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 Peter was a jerk, but I think the difference there was um, th- there seemed to be like cause for it and justification, and and then in the moments where there really wasn't, like there's that issue really early on. I think it's like Amazing Spider-Man number eight, and it's a B story where like. Spider-Man shows up at like Johnny Storm's house and like crashes the party. And he's like, he's a, he's a real jerk. Like, like this, an insufferable, unlikable human being in that comic. And I don't like, that's like one of my least favorite stories from that run. Cause it's like, it's just absurd. Like how much of a jackass they make Spider-Man out to be. In that comic, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. He, like, crawls in through the window. He's like, <laughs> yeah. guess what? I'm here to ruin your beach party. Yeah, I mean, like, come on. Like, that's, there's, you know, there's a difference between, like, saying snide stuff to Flash Thompson or, or even, like, in his, like, repartee with, with Johnny Storm kind of, like, you know, just pointing out what a, what a you know, what a juvenile jerk johnny is or whatever but like and and you know kind of fast forwarding here it's like you know like because like i i feel like if you call out a, some you know dance lot on why is peter a jerk well peter was a jerk look, look what he did here. but it's like but here there's like you feel like the character should have grown from this and it's like you know he's here he is you're, you're presenting him as the ceo of this major company and you know again like yeah, we got some insight during the last arc about that more or less states that the character just kind of fell into this position because of the Zodiac and other mumbo jumbo. Um, but, you know, again, there should be some kind of like understanding that this character got here because he did something different. He's not the same old Peter Parker. But like, again, it's like it's just that impetuous petty, silly, juvenile, man-child stuff that we've been getting in different iterations. And it's like, you know, aren't we past this? And, and, and like, why, 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 why after this point is he still fighting with Tony Stark over something so stupid and petty? You know, like, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, he, they kind of touch, I mean, you're talking about like the sort of meta commentary where everyone's aware that Peter's a jerk and they talk about it. I mean, even in this book, like, why are Spider-Man and Iron Man fighting each other? Well, that's what superheroes do now. It's like, oh, because that that's all that happens. That's supposed to be exciting and interesting, but it's happening so much that it doesn't hold any appeal for me as a reader. It's like, all right, whatever, because we know they're going to fight and then they're going to make up and then they're going to team up. It's then rinse and repeat. So like you could see where this is going. And so for Miles, like I was with Miles, like he was just embarrassed by it all and like walked away and like, I just want to do the same. Like this book costs three dollars and ninety nine cents. Like, what, what am I reading this for? Like, 
Like, why do I want to read this? And there's these, like, you know, I, I monitor our site every day, and I and I keep an eye on the comments. And, you know, uh, ever since this relaunch, I have seen a number of comments saying, like, oh, they're just trying to make Miles look good by destroying Peter Parker and making Miles seem like the real Spider-Man. And, like, I think that's ridiculous. Like, nobody wants to tarnish... Peter Parker, like all these creators love the characters that they're working with. And there's no corporate agenda to make Peter Parker into a jerk just so Miles can like, you know, like sell more copies. But like when you read an issue like this, you can't really deny like those crazy conspiracy theories because (laughs) it just, it seems so intentional. Uh, And I, I just don't know how to respond to that stuff anymore. Yeah, but but even even with that, Dan, I mean, okay, maybe from a personality standpoint, Miles looks good. But I was just say, like, you know, the character, like, you know, like not not to be kind of glib about it, but you know, the in the first half of the comic, he's kind of like the girl that the two guys are fighting over in terms of like how he's being treated, and then he becomes the damsel in distress. I mean, this isn't like to me the most flattering portrayal of Miles anyway. I mean, I I, I have a joke in our notes here that. You know, when when he does get captured, at least he didn't like venom sting and, you know, end the arc within a page like he seems to be able to do in his own book at the time. <laughs> right. um, but but, you half know, like, time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. OK, <laughs> um, fair enough. But you know what I mean? Like it's but but here it's 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 not like the character looks all this like super heroic either you know it's it's kind of like okay he's level-headed and and you know he's right to be embarrassed but you know again i'm i these are still superhero comic books and there's nothing there was nothing in this issue from the you know characters and costumes and underwear and spandex where i was like oh wow this guy's awesome look at look at the cool stuff he's doing right i mean like like it's not a great introduction to the character from that vantage no. no, the the only mm-hmm. thing is it's like he <laughs> you have two like ridiculous obnoxious characters and then one guy who's kind of reasonable. <laughs> That's right. really like, yeah. <laughs> like, reasonable man. Well, but the you, reasonable reasonable one is the one who's tied up right now, you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. so where, what does that get you, you know? <laughs> like Well, you were saying that like they were fighting over Miles like he was uh like a damsel in distress. Uh there's another moment in this issue that really gave me pause where um, this is exactly what Spider-Man says to, to Iron Man. He says, quote, so stealing Parker's girl wasn't enough. Now you're going after my protege. Um, and, and Iron Man corrects him by saying, Watson's not, any, Watson's not anybody's girl. That's none of your business. And it's like, are, are we making Spider-Man into a sexist now? Like – what is going on here? Like Tony, our resident like Marvel Universe Lothario, is correcting Spider-Man on the ownership of women. Uh, like, wh- what was the point of this other than to like paint Spider-Man as a kind of like m- misogynist? Yeah, that and the fact that we really haven't had anything between Peter and Mary Jane that would even like give that statement any kind of gravity either you know what i mean like you know they kind of had that moment at the end of superior where she's like i'm out and that was it you know what i mean like it's 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 you know th- that that's a relationship that 
you know, renew your vows aside, you know, Marvel seems to have very little interest in, in exploring. And, you know, so like having him say that not only does it paint the character in a very bizarre light, it just also contextually doesn't make any sense. You know, like, like, it's not like they had this friendship, but like, you know, maybe Peter wanted more and she said, you know, and wasn't into it. And there, you know, that kind of fueled his jealousy. I mean, it's like the character has been a non-factor in this universe, in this continuity for the better part of two years, three years, four years. I mean, you know, when was the last time that there was like a legitimate moment between Peter and Mary Jane, Spider Island? Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, and the shame it goes with the context, context of the fight between Peter and Tony is that like, Peter knows that Tony doesn't know his secret, you know, his secret identity. So, like, that Tony approaches him to, like, you know, work for for Spider-Man to work for him after Parker's industry goes defunct, right after Peter, like, spent two pages lamenting that he doesn't know how he got to be the person running Parker Industries and how he only really enjoys, like, slinging his webs, like... Why he would get so angry about that is is baffling, considering Tony is actually kind of doing him a favor, given the context that Tony knows. I don't know. It might be a reach, but part of me also wondered, like, if it was some kind of attempt at clever commentary from Slot. I don't know, because when this whole concept of this Volume 4 launch, it was like, oh, well, you just turned Peter Parker and Spider-Man into Tony Stark and Iron Man. And now you have Iron Man taking all of Spider-Man's you know, all the important parts of his life. So his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or ex-wife, whatever you want to say. And, um, you know, his protege and like, I can do better technology than you. And I can, you know, your company's going to go down and mine's better. Like, I don't know if that was some attempt at kind of. Oh, I think not... that's been dripping all, uh, dripping all over this arc. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah I mean... so it's like, all right, it was really on the nose, but. Yeah. No, I, see... I, I, yeah. Cause it was too, I mean, like, you know, I'm I'm going back way to that, what I like to describe as the most depressing message forum conversation I've ever had to endure in my life, which was like Dan Slott and John Byrne fighting with each other before oh, the that, launch of Volume Four. Yeah, um, you should, you should link to that if you if you haven't already. Um, and you know, it's like, you know, right then and there before the first issue was even published, the the, the Iron Man comparisons are being brought up, and and. Dan Slott's kind of parrying it off as, well, no, it's not going to be Iron Man told as Spider-Man. It's, it's going to be totally different to that. So, you know, and, you know, Dan Slott being who he is and, you know, again, I'm not trying to like degrade his character or anything, but, you know, he has a tendency to have a very thin skin when it comes to certain criticisms. I, I think that this is definitely a pointed comment uh, commentary on the, the, the Spider-Man Tony Stark thing. It's kind of like, well, fine. You all have been saying it for, you know, a, the past year. So here it is, you know, like this is, <laughs> this is how I'm going to do it, you know? And, and, you know, you see like he's taking his stuff and it's not just, it's not just the other way around. So I, I, I actually agree with that pretty, pretty solidly, Brian. So one thing I wanted to ask you guys. So over an ultimate spin, we talk a lot about the supporting cast for Miles Morales and for Spider-Gwen and how we're, how much we're enjoying them. I think there there's a lot of good work happening in terms of building up those roles. What are you, how are you guys feeling about Harry Lyman and like the little mini reunion with Betty and Mary Jane? And what'd you make of um, that? Scene? Yeah. I mean, I think 
Dan and I have both been on the record saying some of the Harry stuff over the last few issues has been some of the brighter points of the comic, right, Dan? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And it was nice to see Betty again. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I think in terms of where credit should be given, I, I, I like that. You know, Betty kind of has like this woe is me moment in this comic. And, and you know, yeah, it's it's very expositiony, but it's also like they do kind of remind the reader like, you know, Betty Brent's more is is kind of established herself as a, you know, a legitimate. She's not just the girlfriend anymore. You know what I mean? Like she's she's got her own personality and her own job and she does some really good stuff on her own as well. It's not she's not just like, you know, the Ditko girl. Um, so, and I felt that they, you know, so I, I appreciated that, you know, MJ still just seems to kind of be a lost cause in these books in terms of what she's about. But, but I, 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 you know, kind of going to the supporting cast felt like a a good, a good reprieve in this comic. Right. I I like that. There like seemed to be somewhat of like a coffee bean, rapport going on for at least the two pages that they all meet up in this book even if it is exposition heavy and um and i was especially happy to see like that there were two women in this scene that weren't talking about men they were in love with uh i think i wrote my review that this is probably the first spider-man comic in a long time that has passed the bechdel test even if it is just momentary but i i like that at least the characters acknowledge the kind of like crazy elevated roles that the world has found them in uh in in this book and that like even though like peter hasn't really invited them on his journey for quite a while that they still have their own lives and you know what they can have lunch without peter there and you know what so what he's not even invited (laughs) yes i mean i did i did think like them kind of like doing their scooby-doo routine and figuring out who the regent was, was, I mean, it was cute, but like, I don't know Then it, to me, like it kind of opens up the portal of you're able to figure this out so quickly, but it, you're, you know, outside of Mary Jane, it's still years later and you don't know that your other good friend is Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know. Does, does that, am I, am I, am I just being overly critical in that point? Nah, I'm with you. Well, I I, I want to say again because like last issue I had I had commented that I thought Harry might be on the verge of finding out that Peter was Spider Man because he seemed to show a lot of care as to like well where did Peter go during the uh, the fight with uh, uh, Iron Man and that we're getting back into kind of them solving identities in this issue makes me wonder if we are in fact headed down that route of Harry finding out that Peter is Spider-Man. I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that, like, would make that character a lot more interesting. And and just this kind of, like, having them all figuring out identities, I wonder if if that's not too far in in the future, uh, a Harry Osborn discovery. Well, that would would certainly create an interesting dynamic. That it's not, like, Norman that knows the identity, but it's Harry. Right. And what was, and what does Harry do with that information? Yeah. Um, so what did you guys think about the final sequence of this? You know, Miles is captured and, and you know, strung up in one of, uh, of Regent's, I guess, power siphoning tanks. You know, I, I thought this was a pretty solid cliffhanger 
in terms of uh, of comic book cliffhangers go with Betty confronting the regent? Yeah, I agree to that. I, I, I actually, I, I kind of felt more concern for Betty than Miles because I mean, you know, Miles will be fine because <laughs> yeah. you know, because you know, they're gonna make him the real Spider Man, right? <laughs> so uh, he's got to be fine. Please I was going to say, I thought it was an interesting visual choice to have his costume ripped because that's a really big deal in his current series. Um, his costume has been ripped. And so the world has found out that the new Spider-Man is uh, is not a white dude. So that's that's a whole big thing that's kind of playing out right now. And so to, to make a point of that, that his costume is ripped here, I don't think they're going to remotely touch that. But I, I was just that was something that kind of stood out to me. Well, how nice for you, Brian, that your show gets to tackle really rich themes about race and, and culture and, and things like that. Uh, we, we certainly cover those things here every week. Yes. Was that dripping Maybe. with sarcasm enough? <laughs> yeah, I got to wipe the uh, microphone down a little bit. But we're going <laughs> to say, is, is there like a way like you can embed like the forward slash S into uh, your podcast feed then? <laughs> Um, what about the art, guys? We haven't talked about Common Coley all that much. Brian, uh, you know we deal with Common Coley just about every week on on our show. Uh, what what do you think about his artwork? Um, I I like it. I mean, I had liked it in when it started showing up in uh, Superior. Um, I did like Umberto Ramos's style, but then I thought like when Common Coley took in, he had kind of like a stockier or beefier take on uh Otto or peter um i actually like that and i i i like his character designs and um his uh his faces kind of sometimes look uh the same to me sometimes the female faces and there was one panel with the uh, the dad and the son where the uh spider-man and iron man are fighting and uh miles is like hey we got to get everyone out of here they almost look the same but then again they are related but um I think for me, more than the art, it's the colors. The colors are so bright. It's uh, Marte Gracia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, yeah, just played into me for like this whole feel of this book. It's very vibrant and fast paced and just, as I was saying earlier, just very bubblegum to me. It's it's bright um, and maybe a bit much. I mean, it suits the action, but maybe, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I would prefer like them to slow down and uh, whether it's the pacing or the visuals, it, it all kind of bleeds together for me. But um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't really know what else I could say about it. I, I enjoy it. I think it, it suits what's going on. Um, how about the Alex Ross covers? They've been amazing. I will say that's probably been my favorite part of this series. Yeah. I really love them. I mean, it's, it, it, it's amazing to me how fast Alex Ross is putting this stuff out now. Like, I feel like he must have like discovered some like secret to his artwork because it used to be like an Alex Ross cover or comic was like the rarest thing to be celebrated. And now I feel like, I mean, maybe we're just kind of, uh, we're in like a glutton, we're gluttons for like riches here, but like, uh, we're getting Alex Ross between Astro City and all this stuff. We get a ton of Alex Ross over in the Marvel uh, world. I mean, I guess Astro City is not Marvel, but uh, but yeah, those covers have been pretty great, even if they don't necessarily depict what actually is happening in the issue. 
Um, although this one seemed fairly accurate. Yeah. Uh, better than know, uh, Sorry. I'm going to say better than better than the Avengers showing up in the last issue, right? Dan? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I particularly love the opening fight sequence between Orca and Regent. Like for a number of reasons, it's like something straight out of like a Superman comic between all the poses that Regent is doing. And there's this giant like moon that's in the background that I thought was just gorgeous. Like uh, I I was just kind of hoping I could get more Regent, honestly, after that, because I thought like the way that his powers and stuff were portrayed by Common Coley was really fun. Um, And I think, you know, this to me, like I've expressed Common Coley fatigue but, like, I don't think there's any really much of anything you can knock other than perhaps female faces uh, uh, in this book. Like, the art is just really detailed and wonderful. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, th- there's just – I think he's a perfect fit for the content here. I just wish the content was uh, up to the standards of his artwork. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. All right, folks. So, uh, do we want to give some grades out, or Brian, three words? What you know? What do we? What do we want to do? <laughs> uh, I can, <laughs> I can do both if you want. Um, so yeah, over at uh, Ultimate Spin, we try to sum up our reaction to the issue in three words. Um, yeah, if I had to use three words for this, um, sorry, but uh, I'll go with tedious, unengaging, and I'm going to borrow one from Miles. Flap. <laughs> not pew 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 no that was my other one but do you want a grade as well yeah sure i'm gonna give this a d sorry mark <laughs> i guess my three words would be same old sh- no <laughs> yeah uh, watch your mouth <laughs> and out. shut your mouth <laughs> just talking oh, about gosh. spider-man <laughs> uh same old spider-man there we go thanks brian for the idea um and and i'm gonna give this a d plus and uh i guess my three words will be where is peter and i'm gonna give this one a d plus as well ouch well that's exciting this is probably the lowest we've is this the lowest we've gone on this on this book nah i don't think so have well, we, have we given out an F before? No, although I mean, our our last evisceration of Spider Verse certainly came close. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Well, let's go from something completely depressing, and instead, let's talk about your comments and emails on our show. everybody well of course uh we love hearing from you our our great listeners out there uh if you subscribe to our podcast to either itunes or stitcher or google play or all the other little devices um leave us a rating and and a review and we'll read it on the air or even if you don't subscribe just 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 go on and leave us a rating i mean you know we'll read them all even even that three-star review that i still bring up every time because i'm not bitter um, I can let never. go, Dan. Nev- I can nev- let go. You've never been uh, bitter ever before. 
No. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you don't want to give us mediocre star ratings, you could uh, email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Or you could tweet at Dan or, or me or Brian now or anybody and just hashtag it OK to print. And then, of course, there is our wonderful Spidey line, our voicemail system, Nine Red Goblin. Um, I don't think we've had any pizzas ordered for us lately, um, but... You know, you can call us, right? Yeah, absolutely you can. Papa Jonas is at nine red goblin. There we go. We needed that. Well, Mark, we got one review this week, which we always love to get. And uh, I guess I'll read it. It's, uh, it's titled, The Best Spidey and Maybe the Best Comics Podcast, 5 out of 5. What do you think about that, Brian? I'm not surprised at all. Oh, that's sweet of you. And this is from... Uh-huh. SMB 0786, which I'm going to think means that this person was born July 1986 and is a symbiote. Well, we share something in common. I was also born in July 1986. So suddenly, whoever SMB 0786 is, is my new best friend. Symbiote. That's, see, I thought Super Mario Brothers, but... Oh, nice. Maybe dating myself, so who knows? Well, I guess... It's not... I know it's definitely not third eye blind, though, Dan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll ignore that, Mark, and I get, get into the review here. So uh, th- this person who is either a symbiote or a Super Mario Brothers name, uh, I guess write in and let us know, uh, says, uh, due to a long commute, I listen to a lot of comics podcasts, and this is head and shoulders the best one. The hosts are genuine fans of the characters and not just fans of an idealized version from their childhoods or a very specific version. They're not ashamed to be geeky and do not attempt to overly and intellectualize the material. But at the same time, the conversations never devolve into irrelevant continuity minutiae like Orca stuff. Uh, <laughs> so since one more day, too much Spidey discussion devolves into married Spidey versus single Spidey, but these guys always give everything a fair shot or are never dogmatic in their opinions about creators or storylines. Also, unlike a lot of other comics podcasts, I never feel like they're simply using the podcast to expand their online profile or promote their own creator-owned comics work. Dan and Mark are the gold standards for comic podcast hosts, and I would recommend this podcast to anyone who's even a casual fan of the character. Well, that was really nice, but I guess this would be an inappropriate time to tell you about my Patreon and Kickstarter for my upcoming uh, creator-owned uh, comics work. Uh, Mark, should we cancel that part of the show? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, that, that, that might be in bad taste, Dan. Come on. <laughs> Save it for next time. You know, but but also don't forget to read about some of my other work at because <laughs> I don't have other work. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. No, that's a that's a great comment. Actually, I could have I, I could pretty much say the same thing because that's how I found you guys for, you know, needing something to accompany my train commute into the city. And as I'd mentioned, like I got back into comics with Superior. And I was so excited for it, and I don't really have anyone in my immediate social circle that are into comics that I could talk Spidey with. Um, and at the time, my kids were a little too young to be reading Superior, so I couldn't talk about it with them either. So I was checking around for a lot of podcasts, and people have different styles, but I loved yours right away because as SMB July 86 was saying, like it was just like it's, very, it's a very down-to-earth style you guys have, and I, it was just like hanging out and just talking Spidey, and that 
I loved it. So it's, it's great to actually finally get to sit in with you guys. Well, as John, that's nice of you to say, but as John Semper Jr. said, no one has talked more about Spidey than the two of us have. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that might be true. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he meant that. I don't think he meant that totally complimentary, Dan. No, I I don't (laughs) think he did. (laughs) You have to own it. I own it. (laughs) Well, speaking of owning, why don't we own some news, Dan? Uh, Did we switch personalities in regards to these (laughs) segues, Mark? What just happened? I don't know. I don't even understand. (laughs) What was that? Oh, whoa. That was bad. That was so bad, Dan. <laughs> why did you why, why did you do that, Dan? <laughs> you need to own that, Mark. I'll get, I'll give it an A for effort. <laughs> Spider News. <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Man, what's going on with Miles Morales and Spider News, and and why should I care? Well, let's head over into my favorite town, or one we don't often go to, which is Rumorland. And uh, well, well, Dad, is it is it a town or a land? I <laughs> you know, it like it likes to be uh, classified as both a town and a land. So should I play that that great board game, Candy Town? <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> well, uh, you or, or know, watch, or, or watch my favorite show, Town of the Lost. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> how many more of these do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Town Before Time. Oh God. I'm they, just sitting here. It's like a podcast ping pong match. I'm just like, or don't, for, or, don't for, or don't forget the 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 wonderful play, Our Land. <laughs> oh God. All right, well, I'm going to sidetrack this. We're going to we're going to head out of this get ville. My, get my get my Lincoln Land car together. Oh God! All right, all right. Uh, I don't I don't feel well. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're pulling a miles. You are yeah, out. Like, I'm like, embarrassed to be part of this. I don't even want to continue with this segment anymore. <laughs> all right, so it, so racket show. So talking about rumors, we had some big ones. Most of them, I guess, movie. I guess all of them movie related. And the first one, I guess, dealing with your your realm of things, Brian, uh, is that there was a rumor that this upcoming animated Spider-Man film from Sony is going to feature none other than Miles Morales as the main character. I guess I'm curious, what are your guys' thoughts about this? I think it's fantastic because, you know, I had written a piece for your site um, before Tom Holland was cast as Spider-Man talking about why Spider-Man could be anyone um, in terms of their his appearance or, um, and thinking about, you know, what that would mean for the character and taking him forward. Uh, and then, of course, people are like, oh, we, you know, maybe it could be a Miles Morales movie in it. As much as I'd like to see that uh, on the big screen as part of the MCU, I would agree that. I don't know if the time is quite right um, for a mainstream audience. Maybe have to roll that out a little bit more slowly. So I think an animated film in the meantime is is a great way to go. So my only hope is it would be more like a DC-style animated film as opposed to the goofy stuff you see on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. 
Yeah, well, I mean, for for me, I would just love to see, like, I mean, I'm almost more excited about an animated Spider-Man film just because I feel like animation, like, really, like, can allow a lot of style. And, and I would love to see them kind of take the, the, you know, the Spider-Man style and visuals, like, like, into a really serious, beautifully animated, like, hand-drawn animation direction. I mean... We haven't gotten really any Marvel property that's gotten, like, the triple-A animation treatment. And I, I would just love to see that with Spider-Man, you know, n- n- not to mention Miles Morales. For me, the ultimate dream would be, like, a series of, like, I don't know what you, like, Marvel Knights and, like, these kind of high-end animated films. And, like, I would love a superior Spider-Man film. Yeah, that would be really great. I, I al- I've always desired, like, a video game where every, like, level was a different comic from the Spider-Man like universe, and you would just download new, like levels here and there, and the art style would update depending on who drew that specific comic. And I, <laughs> spaghetti webbing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would just love to see. I mean, again, I just would love to see a triple A treatment for for this character, and um, and I think this is a good way to kind of differentiate it from the 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 live action world. I think everybody kind of had that same thought when they heard about. There's going to be an animated movie and a live action movie, and it's like, isn't that going to lead to some consumer confusion? And I guess Miles Morales could be the solution to that. But just to reiterate, I mean, this is strictly rumor at this point. There's been no official confirmation. None at all. None at all. And I I mean, I do think it is a kind of a bizarre move uh, because, again, I think it does lead to consumer confusion. And and it would make me wonder if doing this would limit Miles or – or, or help Miles become like a a new addition into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I could imagine like once Tom Holland gets too old for that role, it could be a great time to to bring in uh, a Miles Morales into the into the world. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll all wait and see. Um, the next uh, is not as much is less of a rumor, uh, but we we had an announcement that this uh, actor from the Dark Tower series, this young child actor. Uh, Michael Barbieri would be joining the cast of Spider-Man Homecoming. But the interesting thing is, again, I guess kind of a rumor is that the character that he's playing is one that's going to be based on none other than Genki Lee from the Ultimate Spider-Man or, I guess, Miles Morales series. Um, And, uh, you know, there were some people that were kind of, like, outraged by this until they kind of read further and realized that it doesn't seem that he's going to be playing Genki. But um, I guess, Brian, I'm curious about your thoughts about this. Yeah, I, I so, I, I mean, I think what you're referring to is the initial reporting was, oh, he's going to be Yankee and it's a white actress. Oh, this typical Hollywood whitewashing. Like, why would you do that for a Yankee who's just such an awesome character, period? Um, I think my concern about that is if you introduce this character type or this type of role, like a supporting, like Spider-Man has a friend that he's confided in and this guy is helping him figure out how to be a hero. And they're also goofy friends and clown around together. And then if at some point you introduce, you establish that. And then if at some point you do introduce Miles and then Genki, it's going to be perceived as just a copy. Like Miles is already going to be perceived as a, you know, a, a copy in, in, in some respects so then you're gonna you, it's a disservice to Genki I think um, or his potential to be realized on screen yeah absolutely um, 
I think all these casting announcements need to be taken with like a serious grain of salt. Like, uh, there's so many characters being announced that seem not to be typical Spider-Man characters, and maybe that's their new approach is to kind of like go into a place where you just don't recognize anything so that Peter can kind of stand on his own and before they introduce the rest of the supporting cast of, over time. But, like, uh, this could also be just, like, a glorified extra role um, uh, with a character that's in, like, Flash Thompson's Spider-Man fan club, y- you know? like, but, <laughs> but it is interesting that, like, whatever these reports are, and, again, these reports are from unsubstantiated, like, places so i mean really don't believe them because these people would have you believe that as a butterfield was playing uh peter parker in the upcoming movie um but it is something interesting to keep an eye on at least um you know how, how these how the history of the characters kind of put on screen and then i guess lastly we have this uh this storyboards leak from spider-man 4 one of the storyboard artists released images from the movie that he had been working on, and I guess everybody's kind of always been curious what that movie would look like. Did you guys get a chance to take a look at these uh, storyboards? I have not yet, no. Uh, they're, pre- they're pretty cool looking, Dan, although I, I didn't I didn't catch the Voltress in them. I, I don't know if I wasn't looking closely enough. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of images of the Vulture, and there's one image where, like, it seems to be Peter is looking at some glowing item with a woman standing in the background, and I had kind of, like, I guess, maybe falsely surmised that it looked like he had discovered a, like, costume and there's a woman in the background. So putting two to two together, I feel like this movie may have established a relationship between him and Felicia Hardy because it seems in other images that Peter is, like, kissing someone that doesn't look like Mary Jane. So, like, my thought was that he... That was the an image from a scene where he was discovering that Felicia Hardy was none other than the Vultress, uh, this new goofy character that, uh, if rumors are to be believed, caused Sam Raimi to flee the franchise over creative differences. Um, but the action scenes uh, with the Vulture seem to be very exciting, if not totally typical for an, a Vulture fight. Yeah, I mean, and I anticipate that we're probably going to see a lot of similar stuff in Homecoming if the rumors prove to be true. Yeah, so I guess maybe even an early look at Homecoming uh, as well. I just thought it was kind of cool to, like, you know, what, what is it, like 10 years later that we're getting some images from Spider-Man 4? You th- you'd think this stuff would have, like, come out. Maybe there's, like, a statute of limitations on uh, keeping an NDA for, for work like that. And maybe maybe this is the start of something far bigger. Who knows? All right, Dan. So um, do we have any other news items or we tapped out? I think that's it. So I I guess it's time that we bring the show on home. So uh, in which case. Go go to go homeland or is it go hometown? uh, I'm not even going to dignify that with a a specific response. But uh, is it our homecoming? (laughs) Sorry. It's contagious. (laughs) As 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 the great disco classic goes, let me take you to Funky Land, Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we know what music we're using for this episode. 
of course, you can find all of our new amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. And every week I plug the ultimate spin, but Brian, why don't you tell us about your ultimate podcast uh, and why listeners should tune in? Sure. And yeah, I never, I don't know if uh, little sister podcast would be like little brother or partner podcast. Like little sister just sounds like, "Mm." are you calling me to task here? Yeah, I am. I am. Cause you asked me earlier and I didn't get to acknowledge it. So maybe this is the moratorium on me calling it our sister (laughs) podcast. Anyway, but uh, no, um, so yeah, our, our podcast is actually inspired by uh, Superior Spider Talk and Amazing Spider Talk. And over at Ultimate Spin, yeah, we do follow uh, Miles Morales in his main book and Spider-Gwen in Radioactive Spider-Gwen. And we're coming up on two years um, and we've done, I think we're closing in on 50 episodes, but a bunch of point one episodes with uh, a couple of interviews that we've done with the creators, um, lining up some more um, so yeah, you're welcome to come check us out. We are, uh, posted over at, uh, superiorspidertalk.com and you can subscribe directly at ultimatespinpodcast.com. You can find our iTunes, Stitcher links there. Um, and then our Twitter and Facebook there as well. So yeah, um, you're all more than welcome to come check it out. And listen to that upbeat tone in Brian's voice because he's covering Miles and Spider-Man's <laughs> books. And you could just you could just hear the spring in his step. Uh, I will I, say, yeah, if you listen to our earlier episodes, we were actually also covering all new Ultimate. So you might hear a slightly different tone in my voice for those episodes. Oh, man. I had almost forgotten about the existence of that title. Oof. Never forget. <laughs> well, uh, Mark, what are we going to be talking about next week on on this uh, show? Yeah, well, well, we'll be back on schedule next week, Dan, when we'll, we'll be discussing the new issue, Amazing Spider-Man number 14 by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Comicoli. Um, maybe we enjoy that one more. Is is this the, the final chapter with Region, or are we getting one more after that? I, I, I can't keep up. That not that the uh, we, we have one more and then we have the Mary Jane Iron Spider cover or is that next week? No, you're right. I think we have one more than Mary Jane Iron Spider. So it continues. <laughs> <laughs> well, the show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Brian, where can we find you on the internet this week? Oh, uh, well, this week and every week you can find uh, links to my Twitter, my Instagram, other podcasts. I'm, I'm, I'm working on over at project37.net. Awesome. And Mark, you? Um, well, of course, you can find my writing at superiorspiretalk.com. And there's writing this week, Dan. There is actual writing from me on the site this week. So uh, that's a, not... A scene from Scanners is going on in my apartment right now with <laughs> my head exploding. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and you know, check out my new uh, top 10 list that will be uh, parceling out over the next few weeks, which is going to be top 10 stories of Spider-Man fighting other guys' villains. Because, you know, what's not fun about watching, you know, stories where Spider-Man isn't fighting the same old rogues, right? Yeah, will, I, will, I agree. Will, will this Regent story make the list? Probably not. Spoiler. Well, because Regent is a Spidey rogue now. I guess he is now, but wasn't he introduced as an X-Men rogue? I don't even know. I thought I, he was. I actually don't know, uh, to be I, honest. I, 
I thought he was in the mutant books at one point. Because when he showed up in Renew Your Vows, I looked that up. I was like, who's this guy? He's like, oh, he showed up in like Age of Apocalypse or something. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. And, uh, of course, you can find all of uh, my writing uh, on Superior Spider Talk as well. And uh, my Twitter handle, at SupSpiderTalk. And, Dan, you cut off my Twitter handle, which was at Oh, yeah, you're so sorry. Uh, (laughs) You can find... You can find me over in Twitter town at chasing ASM blog. And I, I forgot to mention, I can't believe this. You can find my Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen reviews, of course, at superiorspidertalk.com. Well, isn't that just dandy? Like candy town. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mark, uh, I was thinking fondly of the times that you and I used to do batting practice together in our pajamas in the middle of Central Park. You know, there's nothing more normal than two adults in underwear hitting the crap out of balls being flung at us at incredible speeds. But there was that one time that that jerk Brian showed up and suggested that when the amazing spider talk was no more, that I should come work with him. And, well, you know, I had no choice but to punch him repeatedly. Well, it's what podcast hosts do now. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We just fight. Endlessly. So, uh, Brian, uh, I'm looking for round two here. Bring it on. Mark, how did you feel about this whole proceeding? Wow, that's that's a very uh, interesting setup for an Uncle Ben story, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) We certainly don't make it easy here. (laughs) No, you don't. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I was I was pretty sad when that whole thing happened with Brian and, you know, the thought of you leaving me for another podcast was kind of kind of hurt my feelings um and what i always like to do when when my feelings are hurt i of course turn to my uncle ben and uncle ben was like all right listen sport he took me out on his fishing boat and you know we we shared a couple of budweiser's uh not a sponsor of the podcast uh really just enjoyed ourselves until um a great white shark just jumped up off the boat, ate Uncle Ben. He died because he always dies in these stories. Who cares about batting cages because Uncle Ben is gone. But he did say as he was getting swallowed alive, first he said, I think we need a bigger boat. And then he said, with great podcasts must also come Amazing Spider Talk. Thank you.